0: A toast to the hunters from your friends at Grain Belt. May the mornings be clear and the fresh air be crisp. May you find solace in the silence. May the stillness settle your soul. May your long shot stay true. May your heart roam free. May you find what you seek in the fields you stalk. May your call to the wild be answered. And at the end of the day, may you share the thrill of the hunt with your friends. So here's to the eight pointers and the 12 ouncers. Here's to you and to your thirst for adventure. Bring Grain Belt to the outdoors with our limited edition premium hunting season pack. This season, enter to win a hunting trip for two to Brown's Hunting Lodge, wherever you can find premium 12 and 24-pack cans. For more information, visit our website at grainbelt.com forward slash hunting dash trip. Alaska. It is a place of dreams for so many people. Vast wilderness, rivers, and ocean currents. The fishing unparalleled, the wildlife, and wild amounts of open space It is a it is a place so many of us have always dreamed of visiting. Well, today, we're going to live Alaska vicariously through a guy by the name of Mark Lukey, an outdoorsman and a co-worker of mine who just returned from the trip of a lifetime. Get ready to explore Alaska. Oh, reality TV. It. Dreams of keeping up with a place called Alaska. Think about it. Shows out there on gold mining, fishing, living off the grid, all these stories we all wish we could live in Alaska. It's why we want to visit the place of mountains and clear water and untamed wilderness. Hey, everybody, Bill Shirk, the man about the woods. Welcome to the Minnesota Bound podcast, the stories behind the stories. And today, a dream that sort of comes true, at least for one guy I know.
1: Um, Mark Lukey, welcome home. (laughs) Well, thanks, Bill. Thanks for having me. It's it's a pleasure talking to you. Usually, I'm the one interviewing you, and we get a little flip of roles here so I appreciate the invite. <laughs> so Mark is a coworker. Uh he is also a outdoor radio show
0: host. But you had this dream of always going to Alaska and you've done it all. You've hunted, you've fished, but something was in there about Alaska. Where does that come from?
1: Well, it's 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 just the ultimate fantasy for an outdoorsman uh watching shows like uh I Love Alone. Like you mentioned some some reality tv shows and you see the landscape and it it doesn't seem like it's real it seems like an imaginary place it doesn't seem like it would be accessible to normal people and um as a lifelong outdoorsman in of course i love minnesota i grew up in wisconsin Uh, i've experienced just about all this area has to offer yep and an opportunity came to go to Alaska, and I'm very happy that I did it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you went, what, to sightsee or to fish? It was a fishing heavy. So it was it was an abbreviated trip. I wish it wasn't, but um, as you know, our, our schedules fill up quickly. I had two other great trips this summer, so I was kind of out of uh, time off. So it was a fly-in one day, three awesome days of fishing, fly out, The next day so it was it was fishing intense but it's actually i see this as a benefit it was a two-hour boat ride to our fishing spot in and out every day all right let's back up first though Mm -hmm. you start thinking about
0: alaska how in the world do you even start planning something like that
1: well luckily uh the best thing to ever do when when experiencing something new is draw from someone who's done it and knows what they're doing So my cousin, Kevin, a great guy and outdoorsman as well, he's been taking this trip every other year about, with some exceptions, with his family and friends for probably 10 to 15 years. So he has experience and he just said, hey, you know what? I know you love the outdoors. I know you've thought of Alaska. Why don't you come with us this year? So he invited uh, myself and my dad, Who's 81 and and he's been to Alaska on like kind of your typical cruise kind of trip, but he's never like fished it or experienced real um, nature outside of the, the kind of standard cruise Mm -hmm. line package. Yep. So luckily my dad said yes. And, and we booked our trip. So there was um, a great resort. We already knew where we're going. We kind of knew what to expect. I had a lot of questions because it is completely new. To me. And uh, luckily, my cousin Kevin was a great guide along yeah. the way. It's a little bit like trying to figure out a trip
0: to Europe, uh-huh. right? It is so infinite. And you said, you know, you had a small window of time to get there and get home. It never feels big enough. Like,
1: where no. are you going to go? What are you going to see? What are you going to try to squeeze in? That's right. the challenge. It was a great teaser. I, I would have loved to have some more time on either end of this trip to really explore it. Uh, we tried doing some side trips. We walked through the town, which is awesome. Um, we we had a hot tip to go see a fish hatchery. And so we took a cab 30 miles out of town or whatever. It was it was a long trip. Got there, got dropped off, walked up to the door. It was closed. <laughs> no one told us. There's nobody there to there tell you. There's nobody there to tell you. Uh, I don't know if it was a COVID thing or whatever, but it was certainly closed. So my dad and I uh, looked at some... You know, fish through a fence, and then we called a taxi back home. <laughs> All right, let's back up. I want to go right to the start of this trip. So you get packed up. You're flying from where to where? Minneapolis. We went uh, Minneapolis to Seattle, and then Seattle. Afternoon to flight or morning flight? It was a morning flight. So uh, the the flights were set up really well. Luckily, we booked them before prices went bonkers. But we um, booked it like a year in advance. It was a great easy flight. Minneapolis, Seattle, Seattle, Ketchikan. They have an airport in Ketchikan, but it's on an island. So you land on an island and when you land, you're like, now what? You know. But they have a like a ferry shuttle that goes back and forth. So it was so strange getting off a plane, standing basically on the runway and waiting for a boat to pick you up. But they were full, full size, you know, commercial flights. It's not like it was a, you know, bush pilot landing yeah. <laughs> tiny airport summer weather. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, I was told to expect catch it rains, um, 200 some days a year. So it rains almost every day. I was expecting to, you know, have rain at least one of the days, bluebird skies, beautiful weather, all three days. Wow. It was, it was absolutely incredible. So you ferry away from the airport mm-hmm. evening now there. Yeah, it was evening, but, you know, it's, you know, sunsets really late there, obviously. I I can't remember the exact time, but it doesn't feel like evening ever. Um, Yeah, ferry goes every half hour or so, landed, had a shuttle service right to, we stayed in a place called Cedars Resort, which was cool because it was right on the water. Basically, it's a small hotel, and every morning you just walk down to the dock and wait for your boat to pick you up. I mean, it was as easy as you could do it. The weird thing is the dock... With the tides there, that's something that we're not familiar with is tides. In the morning, the dock was like 15 feet higher than when we returned. It's absolutely crazy. Everything along the ocean is built to raise and lower at least 15 feet. So it's just so strange how the topography changes in one day and how you deal with that. It's, it's crazy. What kind of fishing did you want to pick or accomplish? Well, you know, you kind of want to, like when you go to any new place, you just kind of want the standard, this is what we normally do. So the day would usually start with halibut fishing. Uh, Each fisher person is allowed two halibut a day and um, delicious tasting. The best fish I've had in Alaska, probably the best fish I've ever tasted in my life. You put a little olive oil on it, a little seasoning, a little butter, and I grilled it on my Traeger for like 20 minutes, fantastic my picky kids loved it it was it was just awesome so we I was told this by my cousin so we had to make sure we got halibut and it's cool but it's it's not like I would say fun reeling in because you're dropping a five pound lead ball right 300 feet down with two massive hooks on it and usually they hit it before it even hits the ground so you're cranking basically a winch a long way, and I'm a big guy, and I got tired. I had to help my dad. It's it's basically like cranking in a fish. It was cool, a beautiful fish, fun. Halibut are super interesting. The guy said when they're born, see, so halibut have sides on one side of their body. They yep. lay flat when they're born. They look like normal fish, but as they get older, their entire head like rotates around, and they develop into what you think of as a halibut.
0: Yeah. Bottom side is white, and the top half yep. looks like a fish that got squished.
1: Makes you so when they're when they're a teenager, do they have one eyeball like in the middle and one on the side? Like that transition there just baffles me. I got to look into that. Sounds like a girl I dated in high school. <laughs> one crazy eye. <laughs> <laughs> we might have to cut that one out. For <laughs>
0: Uh, well, there's an old joke. Why do people fish for that species? Uh, for the halibut. Bum, 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 bum. See?
1: Tss. You can't get any dad jokes past me.
0: All right, so how many days were you on the water? And, and more importantly, as you were prepping first day, mm-hmm. were you worried about
1: seasickness? You know, I've, I've had been on some choppy water. I, I have fished in the ocean in the Caribbean on a charter. Yeah, I'm And that was way worse. I think that this has the potential to be bad if it was stormy, but it wasn't too bad. I, I really don't get affected by seasickness too much. So it wasn't, wasn't my cousin takes, what do what is it called? Drama meme. And, uh, if, if you have any inkling for it, you want to prepare yourself, but I really didn't have too much of a problem in the Caribbean. They call that rum. (laughs) Yes. Made me very stumbly, (laughs) but, um, no, it wasn't too bad. I wasn't I wasn't too worried about it. I've had worse experiences on open water in Big Minnesota Lakes or in the Caribbean. Crazy. So are you miles offshore out in the ocean or you could does it feel um, like you're close? So Ketchikan is in like an inlet. And so we took a 2-hour boat ride to get basically to the mouth of the ocean. So we weren't in open seas like we could see land We weren't like terribly far from land, but we were looking at open ocean. And uh, I think that helps too, probably if you can see land, it's not quite as creepy or weird because you could see mountains and everything. But the ride out there was incredible. We saw killer whales. We saw all sorts of wildlife. It was like basically we got a tour of nature on the way. That was one of my favorite parts of the whole trip was the ride out there. And what baffled me about the ride out there is Guides out there are tough. There was logs in the water everywhere. Like if I took my boat out there, I would have made it about 15 feet. Yep. Like I think the tides, like I don't think it has to do with logging. It has to do with just trees fall, die, fall in the water. Tides take them in and out, but it was treacherous. And they were we were cruising full speed, not a care in the world. I'm like, if you would hit one of those logs, we'd be stranded out here. But uh, I don't know, that's why they're professionals, I guess. Shout out to Casey Bass of Casey's Fishing Charters. He was uh, the guy that helped us and they're pros. Yeah, they live it. Yeah, they, they live it. A lot of them are commercial fishermen. Really interesting thing too is the, the second day we were there was the opener of commercial fishing for salmon. And so we, we just saw trains of these large boats. They were out a little bit farther than we were. But they weren't netting, you catch them on hook and line, which is strange to me. But they had these big, I don't know what they're called, but the arms would go down. they go booms. And they'd troll past us and uh, shout out to those guys who stay in the boats for days and days and days and reel and fish. But yeah. um, anyway, I was talking about the process of the day. So we go and catch our two halibut a piece and We'd get that done with and then basically we'd spend the rest of the day trolling for salmon. And uh, we'd catch salmon throughout the day. It's always a mix of king, uh, coho, pink. So you'd always get a, a mix, which was fun. The, the prize is the king. like That's what everyone wants, that's when it, everyone expires to. You can only keep three a year if you're not a resident. So that was kind of our mission is to catch three and we wow. end up doing it. I caught one pretty nice one, and um, I still can't tell the difference. Like, I had him explain it. There's just so subtle of differences in the fish, in the ocean especially. I think they change when they go inland into rivers, but um, he could pick them out right away. Oh, that's a king. Great. I was like, okay. Well, size is one thing for sure, right? When you compare
0: those species, which are available around here in the Great Lakes region, but you know, our pinks are 16 inches long where right. Alaskas are monsters and the kings are gigantic and
1: the silvers are big and beautiful. That still baffles me that a fish can live in the Great Lakes and the ocean at the same time. I'm so confused. I don't understand how that works either. I don't. Either. I wish I was smarter. Well, you're not. <laughs> True. So you just go fish for them and enjoy <laughs> yes. the heck out of it.
0: All right, so your days get done, you boat back into the resort.
1: Yep. Are you in a town? Is is the lodge out by itself? No, it's kind of in a town. So you, it was cool because, you know, obviously, well, there's steep mountains, so the town is a basically one road that stretches ten miles. Next, between the mountain and the ocean. Yep. So or the arm, I should say. So it's kind of one drag strip. I mean, there's some side streets with houses and stuff. But um, one strip, we could walk down to the main downtown area. Um, so it was kind of cool to see. The cruise liners were always lined up in the evening. They had kind of two sections. It's Ketchikan is a strange place. It's grizzled fishermen that have lived there for 30 years. And then there's this one square that's like Disneyland. You know what I mean? So, but I mean, they interact well together. They're, they cohabitate and they depend on each other, but you couldn't have a starker difference than, you know, the tourists walking around with cameras and, you know, the old bearded dude that looks like he should be on a fish sticks commercial. All right. So I want to get to this. I want to
0: talk a little bit about the food, but first we need to thank a few of the sponsors that helped make The Minnesota Bound podcast, the stories behind the stories happen each week. Mark Lukey is my guest today. I'm Bill Shirk, the man about the woods, talking Alaska. All right, time to pay a few bills. Up first, our good friends at Connecticut. You know how much the Shirk family loves Connecticut water. We have it in our home, and now we've added it to our cabin life, and (laughs) Oh, what a difference it makes. You know, for as long as I can remember, we've dealt with that cabin water, that stinky, foul well water. After a painless four hour installation, we now have Connecticut Soft Water and also Connecticut's K5 drinking system. No more bottled water to try and make coffee in the morning. It's great drinking water right out of the K5 tap. Our laundry no longer smells funny, and Connecticut Water cleaned up both our showers and the kitchen dishes. The world's most efficient, worry-free water system. Visit Kinetico.com to find a dealer near you and join the Kinetico family. Also, we'd like to thank the Minnesota Propane Association.
1: Did you know that a propane gas furnace lifespan averages 20 years while electric heat pumps only last about 14 years? And propane furnaces work in all temperatures while delivering warm and consistent heat in your home. Why buy two heating systems when propane furnace can do it all? Lasts longer, works better, and costs less. These things and more are being done today with propane, the right energy right now.
0: And a shout out to Hewitt Docks. Hewitt Docks, Lifts, and pontoon Legs began in a small south-central Minnesota town with a mission to make dock install and removal easier by inventing the Rolodoc. Well, now the company has evolved to provide everything you might need to improve your lake time. In addition to the classic Roller dock or the new Ultra Dock system, Hewitt offers all-terrain staircases, gangways, canopies, and lifts, along with any accessory you might need. Celebrate 50 years of business with us. Go to hewittrad.com to enter for a chance to win a free dock and monthly prizes. Hewitt Docks, Lifts, and Pontoon Legs.
1: Work hard, play harder. You deserve a Hewitt.
0: All right. Mark, Lukey, and I are talking Alaska. Mark's just back from a trip there with his family. You fish by day outside of can. You come back, what, afternoon, evenings? Are you
1: spent? Do you hit the town? What do you do? Well, it kind of depends on the day. That first day, we're pretty spent, but... The great thing about where we were at Cedars Lodge is they had a nice dock that uh, you pull into. And right next to that, there's a shack where they clean all your fish for you. Everyone comes in from the day. Um, You know, you hang your fish, you talk fishing stories. You sit on the dock with a bourbon, you look at the scenery, you see eagles, you see people coming in and you just soak it in because that's all we did uh, the first night. It's just, there's so much to take in visually um you know you're meeting people that are doing this you're watching them clean fish which is absolutely amazing they they had a a mini fish processing facility basically uh props to the college kids that do that all day every day they were pretty amazing and i can i can flay fish fairly well but these these kids could put me to shame
0: yeah they're fast
1: they're fast uh efficient and uh and they, they were having a good time. You know, they're listening to music. They're all talking. They'd talk to anyone that that wanted to come up. But So they had this mini fish processing plant right next to us. And the difference in Alaska and what we're used to is they throw all the guts off the pier. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that's just what they do. It's, it's the ocean, right? And so you have eagles flying everywhere. You have uh, seals or sea lions. I don't know which one. I can't tell the difference. But... It was just, there's so much happening right at the dock that we just sat there, had drinks, had a good time and, and, uh, soaked it in. Did you have dreams of Alaskan food? Were there certain
0: things on your wish list?
1: Yeah. Well, you know, you kind of have the preconceived notions of what you're going to have. And we did have some of that. They kind of humored us. I think like we had crabs, snow crabs one night. Um, so Cedars Lodge provided all meals for us, so they'd have a nice breakfast, they'd pack you lunch or you make your own lunch and then you'd come back and, and have dinner and, um, we had some great stuff, some, some halibut, uh, we had snow crabs, they, they made a steak one night, they made a salmon kind of teriyaki kind of thing. So they gave us a good sampling of what I guess you would expect at an Alaskan trip, but, um, you know, you eat what's around you, right? And it's salmon. And it's halibut and it's crabs. And I think that uh, is a big part of everyone's meals up there because it's it's everywhere. I was
0: lucky enough a long time ago to go to Kodiak Island. And all I wanted was to try like the king crab. Mm-hmm. And we were off the grid for most of the trips. Well, last night we were in like a $49 a night Best Western with a little cafe, and I went in there and had king crab. I bet it was good. It came out of a plastic bag. It was probably oh. it probably was from Boston or something. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so, I missed out on what you yeah, were able you didn't to get experience. the real McCoy.
1: Nope. Yep. That kind of reminds me of uh, we had some friends on Lake Malax who had fishing resorts, and you couldn't take any fish from from Malax. You still can't really, but they flew in Canadian walleye and would give fillets to anyone that stayed with them right. you know what I mean it's like okay I spent uh, you know a week fishing and I got some f- frozen Canadian fillets and it just doesn't feel quite right <laughs> it doesn't feel quite right but it's satis- fat- satisfied a need I guess you could say
0: uh, alright so any other fishing besides halibut on the ocean
1: or in the arm with the salmon trolling Um, yeah so the most fun I had fishing was when we would kind of go up on a reef and fish for um, black rock bass, right? So it's, it's, there's a million names for it. Some people just call them black bass. Some people call them black cod. They're, they're a member of the cod family, I think, but they call them rock bass. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's, it's amazing how aggressive ocean fish are when you're used to jigging for walleyes and hoping for a nibble. Like, we basically put a um, glow-in-the-dark lead pencil with a hook on it, a treble hook. No bait, nothing. It's, like, it's basically like a weight. And you throw it out there, and it's like a piranha fest. It's, they were coming up 50 feet off the bottom, and you could see them swarming. And we had lighter tackle. Bizarre. And um, it was just amazing. You you'd throw a bear hook out, and... It was a huge fight because we had light tackle and it was just, it was a madhouse. People are flinging them over the boat. The guide is scrambling to unhook them. We could keep six a piece. So we would do that at the end of the day and we'd limit out in, I don't know, 10 minutes. But it was fast and furious and fun. Have you eaten those yet? Yeah. uh, I tried frying those um, and they were good. I mean, it's a white cod type meat. Um, I should try grilling it. I just think cod, I always think fried, like because I grew up in Wisconsin at a supper club, you're like, oh, you fry cod. But I should try grilling it. But um, yeah, it's great. It was great meat.
0: What else on the trip? Did you have any downtime to just look around? I know you were sitting on the dock Mm -hmm. after fishing, but did you
1: have days blocked to just sightsee? No, we really didn't, and I, I wish I would. There's just so much there I mean, they had boat tours and stuff available, but we took boat rides every day, so I didn't really think of that. The, the only real downtime we had was on, on the boat ride, which was just beautiful. You just sit there and it's, honestly, you just can't believe what you're seeing. And people always say that, and it's hard to explain in words what it's like, but when you're looking to your left and your right and you see you know, mountains, snow caps, you know, the clouds underneath the top of the mountains, just beautiful, beautiful, rugged wilderness. It, it, it's amazing people lived there, uh, you know, before modern civilization. It's just so rugged. But um, that was kind of our downtime, just a really long boat ride and taking in the scenery. All right, I've got a question for you um,
0: about your next trip to Alaska <laughs> and regret, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold that um first we need to thank a few more of the sponsors who help make the Minnesota Bound podcast happen each week. Up first, I want to thank the Minnesota Historical Society. A message for you. Come visit Historic Fort Snelling, Minnesota's first national historic landmark, a place where waters, people and ideas have come together for thousands of years. Hear many stories told by many voices and learn more about how lives and history intersect in ways that are stirring, powerful, complex, and still relevant today. Whether revisiting your favorite parts of history or learning something new, it's waiting for you at Historic Fort Snelling. Learn more at mnhs.org fortsnelling Fort Snelling. Also, a big shout-out to our friends at North Dakota Tourism. It's time to plan your fall hunt in North Dakota. Get this, with an estimated 3.4 million breeding ducks, North Dakota's central region is prime habitat for hunting waterfowl. In fact, right now, the state's breeding duck index sits 38% above the long-term average. And the water's up too. The spring water index is up 616% over 2021. That's a good thing. Now, when you consider that North Dakota has approximately 700,000 acres of private land open to public walk-in hunting, guess what? You've got an outdoor oasis. For the latest information about public hunting lands and private land open to sportsmen and women, visit North Dakota Game and Fish Department. Beg your limit this fall in North Dakota. Visit LegendaryND.com. We'd also like to thank our friends at Star Bank. Hi there, Ron Shera here for Star Bank. If you're putting your money into mega banks down the street, who knows where that money's being used? Bank locally. Keep your money local with a community bank that actually cares about you, your family, your business, and your goals. Check out the bank we use at Minnesota Bound. Try Minnesota's own Star Bank. You can find them online at starbank.net. When you call Star Bank, you actually hear a real living person answering the phone. StarBank has 10 convenient locations around Minnesota to serve you and all the mobile banking products that you need to manage your money. Check out all that StarBank has to offer at StarBank.net. Remember FDIC, an equal housing lender. All right, Mark Lukey is my guest today, and we're talking about dreams come true. You finally made it happen and got to Alaska. You fish for a few days you enjoy the food, the sights, the scenery and all of a sudden it's time to go home. How fast was the trip?
1: <laughs> it was incredibly fast. Sometimes when you take a week vacation even in a beautiful spot you're just you're like, "Oh, this was great. It's time to go home." This certainly left me wanting more, not only fishing just experiencing it. It's you always hear the story and everyone knows someone that took their trip to Alaska and they never came back. That's like, uh, everyone has some kind of uncle or cousin (laughs) or something. And once you see it, you kind of get it. Like if, if I was a young man, I'm glad I didn't take this trip when I was 20 (laughs) because I, and maybe I'd have a great life up there, but I wouldn't have what I have now, a wonderful family. And, um, I see the pull, I see the allure and it is, uh, it tugs at you. Mhm. Because at least
0: for me, the world is settled. There are very few wild places left. But that entire state, even if you pull 5 minutes outside of the town you're mm-hmm.
1: in, you're out there. Yeah. Even when you're in the town, you feel like you're out there.
0: Well and the resources. Just
1: the, yeah. the resources are just ludicrous. For everything
0: you dream fishing should be, it's times three. Yeah.
1: I can't believe the Russians sold us sold it to us for that cheap. Uh. <laughs> Suckers. <laughs> uh
0: so I was gonna ask you if you'd go back. The answer is yes, you said. Would you go back to the same place or you want to go some, see some other part of the state?
1: That's a tough one. It's like when you have a wonderful experience, you want to share that with other people, right? So I would love to take my son to that same place because I know what to expect. Now, overall, Alaska is so big and so diverse and even the state itself is so huge. We are in a small, tiny town on the absolute bottom of Alaska. So we didn't, you know if if you know if if Alaska is a hand and you have a tiny pinky jetting down, that's where we were. We were on the coast there's so much more wild to explore, and I'd certainly love to do that now what i would I would love my son to experience this fishing, and this would be an ideal situation. so I would say yes, I would likely go to the exact same place and do the exact same thing Good for you so unless you have- someone has a Suggestion, You know what I mean? It's like this, this was my introduction, and I loved it. So it's, you know how, like, you experience the same. How many resorts are there in Canada? Eh? A lot, right. Right? right? But you find one or two that you really like, and you want to go back. Years ago, we
0: flew into Anchorage. We rode ATVs through the mountains. We rode them through... The bogs, which was really weird and troubling. again Arm, Alieska. Six Mile Creek we paddled. Took a plane to Kodiak Island. Saltry Cove, camped with the Kodiak Bears. Sitka Blacktail Hunts. Standing on top of the mountain during the Sitka Hunt, looking across Sultry Lake, at the Grizzlies eating our gas cans and <laughs> seats on our ATVs. <laughs> and like you said, it doesn't seem
1: real. No. No, it doesn't. And even when you look at pictures that you take of those, they just they don't do it justice. I know that's a cliche to say, but um, when you're sitting there surrounded 360 degrees by just raw nature, it's it's an experience that you can't really explain or show anybody.
0: We flew into Anchorage, got there in the afternoon, a couple hours before dark, and we were there shooting television stories. And we wanted to get an Alaskan Moose, you know, on tape, on film, with, with a camera. We thought it was this big deal. And I asked somebody, when we checked in, I said, where... Is there a spot where maybe we might be able to see a moose? I said, oh, yeah, go down this road, take a right, go 300 meters, and you'll see this dirt road. Just pull to the intersection and stop. You should find something there. And you kind of go, really? So we follow this road, which seems awfully close to the end of the runway (laughs) at Anchorage International, which is one of the busiest airports on the planet. And we find ourselves in, I don't know, like a city park or regional park. And we kind of find this spot and we hit the corner and we're like, we're 150 yards off the end of the runway. And there's a moose there and there's a moose there (laughs) and there's a moose there. Oh, look, there's the guy with the camera taking pictures. Oh, he's probably a story. Hey, what's your name? Oh, hey, fellas. My name's Bill Scherer. Excuse me? Yeah, Bill Shera, I'm from Wisconsin. And I come up here to take pictures. Like we're an hour off the airplane. There are moose <laughs> all around us. Some guy from Wisconsin with darn near the same name as me. You're like and that just said, yep, this is gonna be a trip that is so not normal. <laughs> right. All right. So what reality shows do you watch on TV about Alaska?
1: Um technically it's Canada, but I love alone. That, yep. that just it draws me in. Um, it makes me want to question myself as to whether I could do it. I think that's the allure of that show in general, is you're like, could I do this? And so I, I'm fascinated by that. I, I also am an addict of the gold shows. Yep. And I know that's not all about wilderness, but um, it kind hey, of- Hey, Mark, Tony <laughs> Beats. <laughs> the glory <hall>. <laughs> <laughs> they, uh I love the gold shows. It does show, you know, how remote everything is when they're like, Oh, we need a part. Well, let's drive fifteen hours to the next town and you're like, What? But uh yeah, it's just all part of the mystique, you know, it's um the gold rush just fascinates me. Like in the eighteen hundreds, just what those people went through. I think that adds to the mystique and that there's all these old shanty towns of you know, an economy that boomed for five years and then vanished from earth. I mean what a crazy situation! I mean, the state itself has just gone through so many weird fluctuations, and um, we were talking before. Even the fi- at one point the fishery was absolutely decimated, and um, for salmon, off of Ketchikan, and they worked with commercial fisheries, hatcheries, and they rebuilt the whole thing. And uh, it's just, it's crazy the ebbs and flows of life and economies and and everything speaking of life last question i want to
0: ask you what was it like for your father and what was it like for you to
1: take him there it was it was Have incredible that moment my dad's always been my fishing buddy we've gone uh he taught me how to fish on uh, mount morris lake in wisconsin on our cabin and i've i've been on many trips with him um to canada and he's my fishing buddy and just to experience that kind of thing with him is, is a memory that you always have. It's, it's, it's incredible. I think he was pleasantly surprised at how wonderful it was too, because he, you know, he's, he's an old school guy and he's like, Oh, fishing charter, you know, but he was blown away by the experience. And, um, and uh, it's, I'm just so blessed to be able to do it with him. Goal accomplished. It's definitely something I want to share with my son. Goal accomplished. Good job, Mark. Thank you. It was awesome.
0: All right. I'm going to go start working on booking a trip to Alaska.
1: (laughs) I got a spot for you.
0: Uh, So if somebody wants to plan something, what's your best piece
1: of advice? How do you get started? Go on recommendations. Um, It kind of depends on what you want to do. Some people are really into the river fishing for salmon kind of thing. And I I see the allure of that too, you know, standing on shores and doing that kind of thing. This was a strictly open ocean kind of thing, which was beautiful, but um, you know, time of year is important. So you have to really be um, aware of when the salmon are running, when they're inland, when they're just off inland. So don't get fooled by good pricing. Make sure it's the right time of year and make sure it's the right place. Yeah, if you go to Google and type
0: in Alaskan mm-hmm. fishing calendar, it pops up and it shows the months oh, and cool. the species and the runs and that's how you base your trip. Mm-hmm. No exception.
1: Yep. Period. And then you gotta know what you wanna do. Do you wanna be taken care of? Do you wanna fly in your own gear and take a stab at it and rent a boat? Or do you want do you wanna step on a boat, have waters reel and fish and then go have cocktails. I mean, it's whatever experience you want. Um, I, I like both. I like trying my own thing, but I recommend getting a guide for anyone that goes to a new lake, even if you're going to a lake in northern Minnesota. Um, you know, if it wasn't for you, Bill, I wouldn't have caught a fish on Cass Lake. So it's talk to someone who knows what they're doing or go with someone that knows what they're doing and, and go from there. Love it. Well, there you go.
0: Thanks, Mark, for the story on Alaska. That's the Minnesota Bound podcast, the stories behind the stories. Hey, I want to thank all the sponsors that help make the Minnesota Bound podcast happen each week. Of course, we are presented by Connecticut Water Treatment Systems. We'd also like to thank the Minnesota Historical Society, the Minnesota Propane Association. A big thank you, the Grain Belt Premium, Star Bank, Hewitt Docks, and North Dakota Tourism. Until next week, Mark, what do we always say? Don't forget to introduce
1: a kid. To the great outdoors. I need a better announcer voice. Good at pausing. Is that from journalism school? A trip to Alaska. <laughs>